0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Fight On Montana. I am your host, Adam Healy. We have a great episode today, but before we get to our episode, I would just like to let the listener know to rate review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, again, that's rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of people are getting it from Apple, so make sure you rate and review and subscribe there. Uh, the reason why is it helps us out a lot uh, to get our podcasts to other people that are Grizz fans, sports fans. It's their algorithm way. This It, it gets us in front of other people that might like the podcast. So it helps us out a lot. Uh, again, we want to hear from you too. There are three ways that you can do that. You can get a hold of us at our Facebook page at fight on Montana. You can also get us on Twitter at fight on Montana and Instagram at fight on Montana. Make sure on Twitter and Instagram, follow us there. That would be awesome. Uh, and yeah, we'd like to hear from you, uh, what you like what you what you didn't like and and we're gonna try to make this a podcast for the fans so so let's not skip a beat let's get into our episode today we have the great pleasure in speaking to a former quarterback for the Grizz and Shay Smithwick Han hey Shay, I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on and and spending some time with us and answering some questions about your career at the University of Montana. So, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, appreciate you having
0: me. Yeah. So, what are you up to these days?
1: Yeah. So, I uh, moved back to Cal. So, I worked. Uh, I'm a financial advisor. I work uh, for a franchise of Ameriprise, um, and we have office in Missoula. So, I worked in our Missoula office uh, from when I graduated to about 2017, and then I moved up uh, to work in our Calistelle office. The start of 2017 so about four years ago about right now so been in for the last four years and uh loving being back home and in, in the flatland
0: nice nice so growing up in montana did you always want to play for the grizz
1: <laughs> yeah that was always uh a goal of mine also well, actually my dad played um for the grizz in the 70s okay and so uh my mom went to the university as well and one of the dorm rooms miller halls named after my great grandpa so uh kind of runs in the kind of runs in the family to to go to missoula so that's, that's awesome that's, that's awesome. kind of the story so a long family history if i would have gone uh, the east of the east of the mountains it probably would have been frowned upon in my family
0: <laughs> yeah and my family that's the way that, that it is too you're pretty much black uh uh, disowned from the family, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. My sister, uh, she actually graduated from Bozeman in the nursing program, but she even did her schooling in Missoula. You know, oh, nice, they have, nice. The, they have the campus there. So she, she, you know, you, if you do that career, you pretty much have to go through uh, Montana State. But she tried to make the most of it, at least.
0: Nice, nice. So, who were you being recruited out of out of high school?
1: Yep. So I had uh, offers from the Grizz and the Cats, and then uh, North Dakota actually was uh, kind of on me for a little bit. But I <clears throat> told them early I was just kind of narrowed down to the two Montana schools for the most part.
0: Nice. So you yeah, have-
1: it was. Uh, I surprisingly, I kind of thought I was gonna uh, end up going to the Cats, and um, Coach Ash did a great job of recruiting me, and uh, my mom actually really loved Coach Ash, but took my visit to Missoula and just knew that, that there's no way I couldn't go there. So, um, ended up committing a few days after my visit and, uh, was, couldn't have been more happy with that choice. That's awesome. So who
0: was recruiting you out of high school? Was, was, uh, Bobby still there at the time? I know your, your, your red shirt years and I believe in 2010. So did he recruit you or was that uh, yep, so
1: uh yeah so coach Flugrad and coach delaney were actually uh i think coach flew was the wide receivers coach Yep. when i was uh first getting going and so him and coach delaney kind of were the two main guys who were recruiting me and then um coach halk was the head coach um and, and was a coach when i when i received an offer he was the head coach so uh, i guess i received the offer from coach halk and his staff but um, had a good relationship with Coach Flugrad and Coach Delaney. So um, it was, you know, when the when the change happened and Coach Hauk decided to go to UNLV, it wasn't a, uh, anything too crazy when Coach flu came in and took over. It was nice to have a, a relationship with him already.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what was it like to play high school ball with uh, your coach, Grady Bennett, having played for the Grizz, I believe, in the – my late 80s. Yeah,
1: Coach Coach B was an awesome guy to play for. I mean, I think his system just for a high school system is, you know, one of the more advanced uh, playbooks out there. So I think I got to experience, you know, a, a pretty in-depth, complex kind of passing tree um, and, and developed a pretty good understanding of the game just from him. And uh, Coach Bennett and I have been close ever since, but really from eighth grade on he kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes and you know he's arguably a, a top three quarterback in the history of of the university uh career-wise so there's a, a great chance for me to learn under a, a U of M grad and he actually you know started over with the cats and figured out uh it's, it's a little better on the western side of the state
0: <laughs> exactly so how was it you know what did you think? You know, you were being recruited uh, when uh, Coach Houck was there. Um, he decides to go to UNLV. Um, what was it like to to have that coaching change um, right after? I believe right after you committed, he kind of you know, he he left. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, I actually think he, if
1: I recall right, I think he he might have. Le- I think he left before. Um, I committed and we didn't have okay. taken a lot of our visits until later in January. Um, you know, now the, now the recruiting period is a little different, but, um, I, if I, if my memory serves right, um, uh, I, I actually didn't commit until coach Flugrad was the head coach and I took my visit down there. Um, so it, it was something, you know, I think I, before I even made the decision, coach how, uh, had, had already left.
0: Okay. Okay. So that didn't, and that, probably wouldn't have weighed too much on you then
1: you know I think um, it, it was always great knowing coach out but for me a lot of my decision just came to where, where did I want to spend the next five years of my life um, you know the football aspect of it was important um, but I think both you know Montana State or or the university mm-hmm. both presented great opportunities for me you know either way whether it was um, going to Bozeman or sticking in Missoula and uh, I think no matter where it was going to be at, there's always going to be a quarterback competition, so it wasn't, uh, you know, trying to find the place where the best chance to get on the field was. It was, um, you know, what's going to be the best for me for the next five years, and I just felt Missoula uh, offered that. So what was it like
0: to to play for Coach Flugrad?
1: Yeah, Coach flu was, you know, he, it was funny because Coach Halk was right under that you know, kinda of get under center, run power football and, and run it down your throat. And, you know, he'd win games thirteen to six. And uh Coach Flew really kinda of took that Oregon Chip Kelly brand under his wing and he, he got us going and uh Fuji Tempo, which basically was just, you know, go as fast as you can. Um it it was an awesome kind of learning experience and I think, you know, we kinda of were want to say one of the first fcs teams to do it but he definitely brought that kind of fast tempo up style offense to the university which um now you know they're they're trying to run a little mix of everything nowadays but um you know we really were shotgun no huddles, run 100 plays a game 120 plays a game if you can and um it was definitely a a different offense than coach Houck had been running uh the year before
0: yeah definitely and you know that you go from coach flugrad uh uh high powered you know passing attack uh, a lot of plays and then you go to mr uh, coach delaney what was it like to play for coach delaney
1: yeah i think you know, the thing about coach delaney that uh especially kind of through all the the craziness that that uh, 2012-ish to 2013 kind of brought was he's just a such a good guy and such a good person to kind of lead the, the crew through that difficult period. But um I think the coolest thing about Coach Delaney is how respectful and uh how how just great of a person he is. That he was an awesome coach that kids just wanted to play as hard as they could for. Um, you know, he maybe was a little more hands off on the on the play calling compared to Coach Flugrad, who, you know, he maybe had a little more say in everything. But Coach Delaney, I think he's just one of those coaches where Um, kids just want to play hard for him and and he's just such a great guy. So there's a little, you know, maybe, maybe a less hands-on approach for him as far as a play calling aspect of things.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I got to, uh, actually interview coach Delaney, um, earlier this summer and it was it was a privilege to have him on and, and just talk to him and he just seems like a guy that you could go have a beer with and, and just chat with and <laughs> just have fun yeah
1: he's a, yeah he's just one of the you know the best humans out there I actually uh ended up playing in a golf tournament with him this summer and uh you know him him and his wife were just great people and um but him and my dad go back a little ways too so they kind of know each other and uh it, it was just awesome for him to be the guy recruiting me and, and end up taking over and like I said, he was the perfect the perfect hire for everything that was kinda of going on in that period of time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Any uh favorite Coach Delaney stories
1: that you can tell us? Oh man. Um <laughs> I guess he, he might get mad at me for telling this, but that's all right. Uh there's one time it was in I think it was in spring ball. It might even been in the season, but uh Coach D get would get fired up sometimes. He he really would get fired up if uh, you know, the kickers are missing field goals for some reason. Just special teams uh he he'd get a little frustrated there if, if they're missing. I can't remember what happened in practice, but uh, after practice he was giving us a a little a butt chewing a little bit and he, he was getting fired up and he had some uh he had his fake teeth and uh they fell out as he was kinda of getting after us and there was this one where <laughs> tough to tough to take a guy serious when the teeth are falling out but uh that, that one there's so many coach Delaney stories he's just an awesome guy and uh that that one's always one that just sticks with me but um you know as far as him just he's one of the greatest humans out there like you said if you get a chance to just speak with him it's a privilege and he you know he has more stories than anybody out there probably
0: yeah definitely definitely yeah that, that, that would have been quite a sight <laughs> i bet you people yeah, were just it, laughing just and he was those, like what is yeah, going on it's
1: just it's just one of those where it's, you know the he he's trying to get after us and it's just hard to hard to take him <laughs> serious and he you know he laughs at himself too he's really good at that so that that's one of them that i just i think i'll i'll tell that story for a while probably
0: nice nice so
1: what were like the the two biggest uh, the differences
0: between those two coaches that you think were the the biggest difference?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Coach Flugrad was maybe a little bit more in the new style of football as far as um, up-tempo, run as many plays as he can, and, uh, you know, tire the defense out. Um, where Coach Delaney maybe was from a little more Coach Houck model, wanted to get the ball downhill, run play action, control the clock a little more. Um, and, and not to say either of them wanted to not do the other type of football. It's just a different kind of view. So I think coaching-wise, that was the two biggest things. And uh, Coach Delaney did a good job of, of of figuring out that maybe, you know, up-tempo was better for our offense, even though he wanted to run kind of the downhill style. Um, but I, I think that would be the biggest, too. You know, they maybe have a little different philosophical belief in how they want to – run an offense as far as uh you know spread the field and ones maybe more a little mouth. okay so
0: i know that you you were the quarterback and uh but were you being recruited possibly for any other position were they looking at you for any other position or was it Yeah just they obviously
1: brought me, yeah so they brought me in to play quarterback but i think you know just i have a, a taller frame that um could have possibly played tight end i think is one of the thoughts and never worked out that way i I probably would have been willing to but just the way my career turned out it never happened but um my dad played tight end so uh that, that was kind of another position that i think they thought i could play if the quarterback thing didn't didn't end up playing out the way it did
0: okay so what did you like most about your time at the um
1: yeah i think like most people um I mean, I got to fulfill kind of my dream of of a little kid going to play at Washington Grizzly Stadium. But uh, I think, one, it's a friendships you make. I mean, there's still a, a lot of those guys that, uh, especially with how social media is now, that you get to keep up with and, and joke around with and, and remain pretty close friends to. Um, and, and then I think the other favorite part, I think, is just uh, – the camaraderie build as a team and going forward. And uh, like I said, it, it's just a cool experience of to fulfill a dream, basically. How
0: were, how were the locker rooms back in uh, during your time, were they pretty tight or what, you know? Yeah. The locker kind of...
1: room, yeah um, I, I would say every year we just had a great group of guys. Um, I, I will say that that was one of the coolest parts was, um there's no one on the team that you you know didn't enjoy being around you maybe we're kind of just the way the locker rooms were set up you know the the quarterbacks and running backs were kind of together the dbs were together the wide receivers were together you know that just based off your position group but we all just got along and were able to joke around and uh I, I think not many people can say that about their time somewhere i'm sure that there's people that they just didn't get along with or didn't like and um One of the coolest parts for me about my career was there was just uh, a great group of dudes that I got to, you know, see every day for five years straight. So what were your favorite traditions at the U? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously running out of the tunnel. I I mean, I think that's the coolest part of, of traditions that the Grizz have that not many places do. Um, I, you know one of the one of the cooler experiences was the first year um, when I was red and I wasn't dressing out or anything but uh, we played the cats at home and I can't remember if you guys recall 2010 it was cold as could be you know probably the second coldest game I ever played or was around for uh, we were playing the cats and one of the things the redshirts had to do is and I don't know if this is still going on but we have to stay stay the night up on the M and, and protect it and make sure it doesn't get doesn't get painted blue and blue and gold. So uh that that was a cool experience as freezing, but uh you know, you gotta kinda hang out with a group of guys your age and uh go up there and stay stay up basically all night and make sure nothing happens. So um that that was a fun tradition. I'm not sure if it's still still a thing, but um I think that's a cool one and then you know there's uh there's kind of, when I was there, not a lot of hazing for the quarterbacks, but you know, you had to do, uh, something every now and then for the older guys, which was, which was, uh, you know, fun and, and making sure they didn't take it too far, but still, uh, you know, I think Jordan Johnson and I had to do a dance in the food zoo, uh, in the cafeteria for everybody and, and incorporate all the signals. Um, so something like that, I think was fun, you know, but it, it's running down the tunnel has got to be the coolest tradition that it is that's around how did you uh stay warm up there oh man we were able to uh there's a little trail you can drive a car up and so we were able to take a couple cars up there and uh we may or may not have taken a trash can from campus and uh put some wood in there and you know started a fire so um uh, yeah that that was kind of how it got how we stayed warm but that i don't remember if you guys can recall that game but it was it was as cold cool. it could be and windy and yeah yep so so yeah, do you have a cool th- experience so.
0: yeah definitely that that would be yeah i can't believe that you guys stayed out there and oh <laughs> do you have a favorite uniform combo that you liked wearing
1: man I, i'm such kind of uh i don't want to say flashy i never got to wear the copper you know oh, okay. i kind of always like I was right in between, you know. They wore them in 2009 against the Cats, and then they wore them. Was the next one against? Did they wear them against NDSU? No, no. Can't remember who. It might have been the Cats again. I can't remember, but it was the year before I got there and the year after I left. Okay. Stretched there for for the Copper, so I never got to wear that, which was disappointing, but uh my favorite combo we had the just the all whites i, I love that clean look and the old maroons um when we played app state i think they put a, a huge grizz paw on the back yeah um yep. so that was always one of my favorite combos there
0: um wasn't that helmet uh, the matte the mat.
1: uh yes i the i well. the matte maroon yeah, yeah. that was kind of i love that that matte maroon helmet is probably my favorite one so um yeah i think you know just the all one colors, my favorite look um we did wear kind of a, it was a silver pants and white top against the cats i want to say in 2011 um and we took it to them pretty good over there in bozeman and that that was a, a pretty good color scheme if i recall correctly
0: nice that makes it even even better than when you just beat them yeah. down too so <laughs>
1: yeah exactly exactly yep yeah, yeah.
0: So in twenty ten you redshirted that year. How beneficial was that? And were you hoping not to redshirt that year?
1: Yeah, I think I knew all along going in I was redshirting. I mean, Andrew Sell was a quarterback. Yeah, the uh Justin Roper was there, Gerald Kemp was still around. Um, so you know, for me redshirting I think was something I just expected. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't have the anticipation of playing by any means that year. Uh, and, and so red and was awesome. I think you just get an understanding of, of what life is like for the next four years. Um, you wake up early, you go work out, you watch film, you go to school, you come back, you watch film, you go to practice, you scarf down dinner, and then you go study for a while. Um, so that was a great experience, red shirt, and just learning kind of how to operate your life for the next four years. I think that's the biggest benefit for anybody who's going to redshirt. What is redshirting like for those that people that don't know? Sure. It's uh, a lot of working out, Um, you know, just lifting, getting stronger, getting faster. Uh, And then at practice, you know, you do your individual drills, but a lot of, a lot of it is running scout team uh, for, for the starting crew, you know, um, whether you're, Running scout offense or scout defense, you're running the plays of the team we're going to play that week. So that's kind of what practice entails. Um, you know, during games, there was a, a, a small number of kids who would dress out that maybe, um, barring an injury, would have to get in into the game for somebody. But uh, for the most part, you just kind of stand in the stands in the front row and, and cheer on the guys who are out there.
0: So in in your 2011 uh you know your first year um not redshirting you guys had a, a really good team uh what was it like to to go to play in tennessee
1: yeah that was that was just an awesome experience i think um if if you're there was actually it was delayed i think an hour and a half something like that cuz there was a a weather delay a lot of lightning you know it was really humid yeah. down there but um, just, it was so cool to experience just an SEC environment. Um, how loud it is. It's just a, di- Washington Grizzlies, you know, one of the loudest stadiums around, but, um, that SEC noise is just different. It's hard to explain unless you've been there because they're both loud. It's just, it's loud in a different sense, but, um, I think you just got to see how good the guys at the level above are. Um, I mean, there are some great players on that 2011 team, Tremaine. Johnson obviously kind of the 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 key guy there but um you know we had some great players and you just saw how how good those guys at the next level were but um if you recall against Tennessee we actually had them three and out to start with and uh fumbled the punt and then they run a fully flickering score and um then I think a couple possessions later you know we they get a defensive touchdown and um we we hung we played you know pretty well but it, it was you could just see the speed was was different
0: yeah yeah definitely well i believe it was like 34 16 or 34 14 which you know it's not a bad score for playing an SEC team i think you know by the end of it it, it was a just kind of didn't have the the depth to kind of hold with them and and just the yes. you know the 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 pace so
1: and what I tell everybody, I think at every level of football, you know, from high school to to pros, even, the biggest difference a lot of times isn't in skill positions. You can find really fast guys, and guys are athletic, but just up front, defensive line, offensive line, those guys on the ball, it's just um, a whole different level. And our offensive line in 2011 was really good, but those, those guys up front are just, you know, it's a whole different animal in the SEC
0: yeah definitely so in the, the playoffs you guys pretty much demolished <laughs> everyone that you guys played uh what was the mindset of the team during during that time in the playoffs
1: yeah uh, um well if jonathan smith was the offensive coordinator at the time and he's a, the head coach at oregon state you know an oregon state legend but um one of the things he did kind of toward the end of the year I want to say maybe around before the Weaver State game if I recall or, or somewhere in that time frame but he just put in a little different run scheme and a play action scheme off of it offensively for us and um it, it really just opened everything up and I think if I recall um Jordan might have thrown four or five touchdowns in the first half against Weaver State and from there Offensively, we kind of just started clicking and, um, played Central Arkansas, took it to them and then played Northern Iowa and it was a Friday night game on ESPN. And, um, you know, we just, I think we beat them 48 to 10 and, uh, that, that was as good of a stretch of football, uh, that could be played really. I, we, we went over to Bozeman and, um, hammered the cats and it, it was probably as good of football as i have seen played, um, you know, when I was there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a stretch where it was it was clicking really, really well. So you
1: yeah, guys,
0: get, it was yeah. So you guys get to the semifinals and you guys play the number one seed of Sam Houston State. They, I know they they go up pretty um, early. They go up, I think, by a couple touchdowns by halftime. I think they're leading. I don't off the top of my head. I think it was like twenty something to. 30 three or, or something like they were up by three touchdowns, I believe, um, or, so, or something close to that. Um, what was the atmosphere like? And, and you guys stormed back to um, make it a game. And I swear if you guys had, you know, two, three more minutes in that game, you guys would have pulled that that upset off. Um, what was the mood and the atmosphere like at halftime and, and, and after the game?
1: Yeah, I think to start the game, I think one thing Sam Houston State had that we just couldn't prepare for was speed. Um, I think Tim Flanders was the name of their running back, yep. and he yep. just had an incredible year. Um, I think their quarterback name was Brian Bell, and he was a good athlete. So the speed really just to start the game is what it, – it. it's hard to – you can't practice it, you know. You can practice scheme and everything, but until you get out there, how quickly it happens, that's tough. So – Um, they really jumped on us early because of speed. And if I remember right, Caleb McSurdy had a pick six, um, kind of going into halftime that sparked everything. And, um, so we started and we were down a a few touchdowns and I think we got about within three and we got the ball back. Um, so halftime, you know, we had a lot of momentum coming from McSurdy's pick six. And so, uh, you know, we had kind of settled in and we're feeling good about our game plan and, um, got rolling. And so, fast forward to the fourth quarter and I think if I recall right we had a chance to drive down there to win the game and it, it might have been like a fourth down and uh, Jordan threw one up to Jaden and the wind was the wind was moving a little bit in one direction last night and that ball just kind of sputtered in the air and didn't quite get there and he'd been open and um, there's still quite a bit of time left so we thought maybe we could get the ball back and have one more drive but uh, again, Tim Flanders was just a great player, and, and they were, used him and ran the clock out on us, so we never had a chance. But um, like you said, I, I think we got the speed figured out. We had their speed figured out. We just got behind too too much to start the game and couldn't couldn't overcome that deficit.
0: Yeah, definitely. How hard is that to come so close to, you know, making the championship game? Uh, how hard is that to to handle as a, you know, a college athlete and putting in what you guys put in every day?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, from, from a younger person's perspective, it gives you the hunger to, you know, I was only a rich, it was my second year, rich freshman year, um, gave you the hunger to say, Hey, I want to get back here and do this again and redeem myself. Um, but at the same time, you look at the, those guys who were seniors and it was their last shot at everything and might've been somebody's last game they ever played. So, uh, you know, it's one of those where it's just heartbreaking for everyone. And, um, for the younger guys, you use it as motivation and for the older guys, it's just one of those things that it's going to stay for, for a long time and maybe something you'll never get over, um, for forever.
0: Yeah. The off season that year, a lot of things happened. You know, uh, Coach Flugrad was let go. Um, the athletic di- director, Jim O'Day, was let go. Um, how how was that being a player during that time? Um, what were your, what were your emotions and your thoughts, and what was the mood going on at that time?
1: Yeah, you know there was. I never want there wasn't really talk of anything going around the locker room it was a weird time as we all kind of had heard the rumors about um you know some of the stuff going on with the NCAA but we had practice um there a lot of kids took a class in the spring it was an evening class and so coach Flugrad kind of got upset with how many people were missing practice due to class so Fire call right. He we were practicing at 8:30 at night, I think, so everybody could make it. So we practiced at 8:30 at night and had a normal practice. It ended late, but you know, get home at 11:30 midnight, get up the next day, go work out, go to class, and we all got a text about you know noon that there's a team meeting at two, which kind of what, what's going on. That's really random. We had a normal practice yesterday and uh, going to the meeting, and they let us know that. uh you know, coach had been let go, and and Jim had been let go, and um, kind of just started a a crazy period there for everything, and it was it was just shock, I think, for a lot of guys. It was unexpected, especially given this that we'd had practice the night before. Um, so it, it was just kind of something we were all in awe of.
0: Yeah, definitely. Did was Coach Flugrad there to kind of be able to? Um address you guys or or was he unable to yeah
1: you know he I I honestly the meeting I don't recall as much as just them kind of breaking the news to us that everybody had been let go um you know it's one of those things where you kind of just get the shock and and you can't really remember details as clearly as you like so um I, I know he'd address this after it wasn't like he never got to address the team I can't um remember if it was right after that meeting or if you know we had that meeting and then something later in the day but um uh, yeah it was just uh it, it was a crazy crazy 24-hour period right there
0: yeah definitely definitely so how did how did you guys stay together and stay the course you know it could have um derailed a lot of things how did you guys stay on task and and just keep on you know, riding the ship as, as they say.
1: Yep. Um, You know, I think coach flew leaving was tough because some other guys left after him. So we had to figure out what was going on. And uh, at the time, Jonathan Smith was the offense coordinator and he went to Boise state, if I remember right first. Um, And so he'd already been gone. So we hired coach Rosenbach who um, was there left and now the offense coordinator again and him and Coach Flew had a relationship, but um, one of the things I think that helped a lot was them hiring Coach Delaney just for the consistency of everything. Um, We didn't, you know, have to change scheme. We didn't have to change structure. Uh, It was obviously a new main voice that we were hearing from every day, but it was still a consistent message, so I think that part was important that, um, you know, things weren't, too out of the ordinary with the coaches being around and how things operated it was um you know there was a, a consistency level to it
0: in 2012 coach Delaney came back and took the team over do you feel the team was still grasping over the events of 2011 that had a part in the such a hard year um in 2012
1: yeah you know i think that's part of it. But honestly, 2012 was, um, y- you lose your starting quarterback who's uh, an experienced player, you know, and, uh, when it's all said and done, it's probably a top 10, top five quarterback in the history of, of the university, um, with, with Jordan not being able to play that year. So that, that was part one of it. Uh, if you actually recall in the spring, we kind of lit it up in spring ball and yeah. we're feeling pretty confident. And then Jordan leaves. And so, uh, you know, we start with Trent McKinney as a quarterback, an inexperienced, really athletic freshman, and um, we win the first game, go play up State, play pretty well, and if you look that year, that year's so frustrating, I think, to look back on because offensively, we are still a top 20 offense in the in the nation. Defensively, we were really talented. Uh, it was just a, a weird year with losing, you know, your your leader, and then uh, playing Trent and myself are two inexperienced guys there. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of opportunities. If you look where you're in pretty much every game, um, just a couple bounces don't go the right way. And we're, you know, maybe an eight and eight and three team instead of a, a five and six team. So it, it's a tough year to look back on and just say what could have been. Cause, uh, if you recall, we were playing Eastern and I think we were up almost 10 points. Uh, Mm -hmm. They go down and score with about a minute left, get a lucky onside kick, bounce, go score. Um, So you had an opportunity there. We have a chance against Southern Utah to um, get the ball back and have a game-winning drive. They fake a punt and um, get a first down and run the clock out. So it it was a season that was frustrating because we were so close, uh, given all the events that had happened. and. Um, we just couldn't we couldn't figure out a way to put all three aspects offense defense special teams together in one game we had great games offensively great games defensively great games on special teams but we just couldn't put all three together and for whatever reason um that was a talented team that we just didn't couldn't 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 make it happen
0: exactly exactly yeah and i believe that there's a if i'm not mistaken, I, I might be weren't there a lot of Pretty close games in that 2012, other than the ones that you've already already said. Uh, yep. So the two overtime um, games as well, or was that the following year? I
1: can't. Uh, that that was the following year. The okay. overtime games were the following year, but that year was uh, the one we really only uh, NAU took it to us pretty good, if I recall right. Yeah. yeah. Um, at home, they had that Zach Bowman running back, and he he was just a great player, and they took it to us pretty good. Um but other than that we we're we were really in you know every single game we we had an opportunity to uh you know be com- we were competitive it just we just couldn't figure out you know how to win whether it was making the right play at the right time offensively or getting a stop defensively we just couldn't couldn't put it all together and that makes it for a tough season
0: yeah definitely definitely yeah, you guys opened up that, that year with South Dakota and then yep. uh, lost by a touchdown at, at App State. And I remember that game was kind of weird because I, I can't remember quite well, but there's something that happened in that game where it was, like, ridiculous, too. Like, maybe, like, a pass interference call. I can't really remember. Yeah,
1: the I, my my main memory of that is Dan Moore caught a screen pass and took it to the house and hurdled the guy. And, um, <laughs> yeah, but... But that was another one where we were in it and didn't win. You know, we played the Cats the last game of the year, and they're ranked number one. And um, first drive of the game, I overthrew Bryce Carver in the end zone where we could score a touchdown. I think we missed three field goals, and we lose by nine. So um, it was just a season where, like I said, we were competitive. We just couldn't couldn't figure out how to win.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you think that year – you know, kind of helped you guys kind of uh, not solidify as a team, but come together as a team and kind of help you that following year kind of just close things out?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that was part of it. We we never uh, wavered in a difficult year. We all still, you know, hung strong together. And um, the next year, George comes back, which is just a shot in the arm for, for everybody when, when your you know, your leader comes back and just a great person to be able to rejoin and then you're able to kind of feed off his energy being back. That helped. And, um, we're a year older in experience and that 2013 team was a, a good football team.
0: Exactly. Yeah. In 2013, that was a great, great team. How hard was it to have, uh, that you're cut short, you know, you guys were, were really, really doing really well. And, you know, I, I had not anticipated a Grizz loss and in, in the first game of the playoffs against Coastal Carolina. I, I I'll admit I'll, I I looked at it and like oh this East Coast team's going to come up here. They're going to it's going to be cold. They're not going to be yeah. able to handle it. And you guys get pretty pretty good punched in the mouth. And then obviously they're not going to the back down. And it was a pretty close game. You guys I wind, wind up losing by I believe a touchdown or so and how hard was that just to and it was at home too so
1: how hard was that yeah that that week is the one of the coldest weeks I can remember you know it was in negative 21 I can't remember how cold it was but I remember kickers were they're kicking the ball in practice and it would land in the in the uh seats and and hit the concrete and the ball would pop Um, oh my god so you know that that was just a tough week you are montana kids and probably can brave the cold a little bit better but at the same time negative 15 negative 20 degrees is cold for (laughs) anybody regardless of where you're from and uh if you recall their their coach at the time was a, a tech guy who made is that what he was i can't recall exactly who he's with
0: but ceo of td maritrade like yeah yeah
1: yeah. and so he you know he 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 had purchased these nice warming huts and uh, all this stuff and so um you know they were well prepared and they were a good football team i think um you know i think that's one thing that gets lost a little bit on is just how good they were. They were athletic and you see, I mean, how good coastal Carolina is now. They've moved up divisions and were ranked in the top 15 this year. Um, it, it's an attractive place to play to get people to and they were well coached, but it, that was a tough game in the sense of, it was so cold. We kind of, like you said, got punched in the mouth to start with and similar to 2011. If we could have played another quarter or two, we probably beat them, but um if you if you get behind early like that it's just too tough to come back from and um that that cold weather just it made it tough to throw the ball like you wanted to um you know we had a lot of talent on the outside with ellis henderson and jamal jones that year that um you know we were able to spin the spin the rock pretty well and that was tough to do when it's you know when it gets cold like that the ball gets slick that's not what I think that's what some people, you know, the the casual fan might not realize is how slick the ball becomes to throw. Um, So that made it difficult, and and they were a good team. But, yeah, I think we all kind of anticipated maybe the cold would work out in our favor, and and unfortunately it didn't. And um, that was was a good football team that probably um, at least should have made it to the next round given uh, the talent on the squad.
0: Yeah, and I think you know when it's that cold too. You when you get hit, <laughs> it, there's no give in the ground. It's you know like hitting concrete. I know I, yeah, I, ta- I, think a... I talked to Ellis and and he he's like, yeah, I pretty much know that I got a concussion during that game. Yeah,
1: it's just one that you know you can you can say you're ready for it, but until you get out there, you're not. And if you have to, if if you're on offense and the other team's offense is out there and has a long drive and you have to stand on the sidelines for 10, 15 minutes waiting to get the ball back, those feet get cold, the hands get cold, and it's pretty tough to warm them back up, you know. So um it, it was just – that was the coldest game I can remember playing. It, it was a blue sky day, but it just was breathing.
0: Yeah. So how is that, you know, you you bring up Coastal Carolina uh, and how they're, you know, made this huge and pretty quick jump, you know, from FCS to, you know, FBS to, you know, top 15 this year, um, really good team. Do you take solace in kind of like knowing that, hey, we played that team, you know, does it kind of feel good that, not that you lost to that team, but that that was a good team it wasn't a fluke team that you know it was it was legit
1: yeah you know they they go play North Dakota State and North Dakota State sticks it to them kind of like they did everybody the last few years, you know the last decade almost yeah um, but I think you just see that that I mean it's in the Myrtle Beach area that's an attractive place to go play yeah. for any any young college kid um so you, you do see that oh you know they do get good athletes over here uh it's maybe somewhere we haven't heard of very much but um now you look at it and you say wow that's a great place to play and i wonder why they're having a lot of success it's a <laughs> good school a great location you know a lot to do so it, it makes sense why people would want to go there so I, I think that does help but at the same time it's um just again you feel you feel bad for that crew of kids who were seniors that were part of a great team and would have loved to get a shot at North Dakota state. Obviously, uh, you know, that probably who knows how it turns out, but they've obviously kind of put it to everybody um, around for the last 10 years or so, but it it would have been great to play. them. I can't remember if that was the year we played them um, earlier in the season or not. I know we went, Played North Dakota State one year, but that might have been in 2014.
0: Um, yeah, I believe he. I think 2004. Is it? Yeah, 2014 you played, and then also I think there was a the home. I believe in 2015, wasn't it the home home game? Yeah. Where,
1: yep, and that yeah. was the first one after I was done. So yeah, um, I, I just couldn't remember. But yeah, they. You know, is was, 13 was unfortunate because that was another really good football team.
0: Wasn't Carson Wentz the quarterback in 13?
1: Yeah, he was there 13 and, no, I actually think it was, um, it was, oh man, whoever the guy before him was. Yeah, the guy was before yeah. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he, I think he was actually there. I think Wentz was there for 14, 15. 15. I can't remember okay. who the guy for 13 was. Man, who, that guy was, you know, he was their starter for a long time.
0: Yeah, I want to say it say, started with a J or Justin something or something. I don't know. Yeah,
1: they were – he was – you know, he won a lot of games for them. He kind of was the start of everything for him.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Just getting him going. And then they had Carson, that Easton stick kid. Now Trey Lance is there. I mean, they, they've they had a lot of a lot of good quarterback player in a three-lap program.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, in 2014, you guys, you know – almost pull an upset against Wyoming, um, I believe it was 17-12. What was that like, and and did you think that you guys were the better team against Wyoming?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, North Dakota State's head coach was the Wyoming head coach, so.
0: Yeah, I he is, he's now remember, a great yep,
1: ball. Yep, Yeah. Yep, yep, so, um, you know, there's some kind of familiarity with offensive scheme and everything, but uh, you know the the thing about that is anytime it's the first game of the year, I think every team is pretty confident about their outlook on the season. So we felt pretty good going in. there We that 2014 year we had a lot of questions on the offensive line. Trevor Poole, who was kind of going to be our our main O lineman, starting left tackle, he he couldn't play because of a back injury all season. So. We ended up, you know, not really knowing what to expect from our offensive line that year, just given the inexperience. So going into that game, that was a concern for us. But we hung with with Wyoming tough, and I think anytime you know you play one of those Mountain West or whatever smaller schools that's maybe not one of your Power Five conferences, I think that's you want to hold your own, especially in there. And we did. We we missed some opportunities. I think George got a concussion towards the end of the game, and um, but it, it is one where you kind of feel like how oh, we missed some chances in that game too.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I always think that they—I uh, don't—not not maybe every year, but that that could be like a uh, not an annual rivalry, but uh, one that you could keep on doing. I think, and I wish they would, yeah, I, would look at that.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, especially with some of these teams leaving the Big Sky, uh, you know, you just see Southern Utah who's moving out, moving to the West. Um, I, I, not that Wyoming's going to move down or us move up a conference by any means, but it yeah. does maybe present an opportunity to, uh, allow for a team like the University of Montana to play, uh, one extra game against a bigger school. And maybe you can now have one less conference game or you move the big sky into two different conferences and, uh, you know, allow for one of those money games. Um, but a, a money game that's, meant to be competitive for, for the university and not wanting to you know where they go play in Oregon, which they played competitive last year, obviously, but you, you're playing one of those big schools where it's a great experience, but the, the outcomes may be, um, a little predetermined sometimes, but I think you go play a school like Wyoming, uh, that, that could really be a great rivalry and uh, a great opportunity for, um, you know, Wyoming to come play at a really cool SES school too.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What is it like, you know, you know, uh, I've been to games. I know you've been to games too, but what is it like to play in Washington Grizzly Stadium?
1: Yeah, it's just uh, the thing I don't think of. One of the reasons why it's so loud is the crowd is just right on top of you there. A lot of the other stadiums you go play, there's a lot of space from the sideline to that first row of, of fans and at, at washington grizzly that is not the experience you go sit on the bench and coach is drawing up a play on the whiteboard and the fans can look over the edge and see what's going on and um i think that's for opponents it's something that they're not used to is uh the crowd being right on top of you like that um and then for us it's a great a great experience cause you maybe hear a few things and hear some more of the cheering going on, but it, it's just so loud and it's just such a unique environment um that, that you can't replicate it anywhere else.
0: Exactly, yeah. So your your last year, I'm gonna sorry, I'm going back to twenty fourteen. You know, you guys Here. have a a really or twenty fourteen, sorry. Twenty fourteen yeah. your your last year. You guys have a a pretty good season. You know, you guys play North Dakota State um, at North Dakota state and you lose by 12. Um, but other than that, you, you know, you get beat down by Cal Poly, uh, by 20 points and, and lose to Eastern Washington. Um, you win the rivalry game pretty handedly 34 to seven against Montana state and, and go in play, you know, San Diego and you handle them pretty well. Uh, going into that, you know, you, you wind up playing Eastern Washington again. Uh, going into that game, what was the atmosphere like? What was the the temperature of the locker room? And how hard is it to play a, a you know, a rival um, that's in your conference again in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, so one of the, the funny things about that year is um, if you recall the first time we played Eastern in the regular season, we got down pretty quick and um mm-hmm. Defense Hinson, who was the offense coordinator at the time, uh, you know, he kinda wanted that downhill under center play action, get the ball down vertically style of football. We've kind of been playing that all year. Well about halftime of that first Eastern Washington game, he just he said we're going full go, no huddle, um, you know, kinda kinda more the coach Flugrad style of football. And for some reason that just clicked with with that team that 2014 team and um even though we couldn't pull out that that game against Eastern we made a valiant comeback and kind of started us on a trajectory where we we got pretty hot and started playing some good football you know we we handled the cats at home um play San Diego play really well and then uh end up having to play Eastern again which I think the unfortunate thing was was we, we kind of figured out our identity against Eastern while they're also to had a hack to figure out what worked for us. And so, um, you know, when we ended up playing them in the playoffs, they were, they were ready for kind of uh, the changes we had made and um, we, we still played pretty well, but you know, they, they had a good football team that year. And um, they, they, they kind of, like I said, were ready for the offensive adjustment we had made and, and had that figured out from the game before. So, uh, we felt confident going in because we had been playing playing so well, but um, they they were ready for us and had a good team and they had a great scheme. They kind of just said, "Hey, we're gonna play play straight up and and make you beat us." And um, uh, they they were a better team that day.
0: So how hard is that at the you know at the end of your career? Um, does it sink in after the game, or that that your career is over playing for the Grizz and or or what is the time length of where that kind of hits you?
1: Yeah, I I think for most people, it, for me, it didn't really hit me. I think I knew that, you know, you obviously understand the situation that was the last game, but it doesn't – it didn't really hit me, um, you know, until I didn't have to go to spring football. And then it, it probably really hit me that first game um, when they played North Dakota State the next year at home uh yeah. in the smoke. Uh I think bounce runner really just hits you. You don't get to run out of the tunnel. And then it it's one of the, you know, greatest games in the history of that stadium. So um I, I think it probably takes until the next football season or so. And honestly you get them skip out on the worst parts of playing football and winter conditioning <laughs> and, and fall camp. So um that that's a nice part about being done, but you don't get i think for me it took probably until that first game um yeah to really be like okay that's you know i'm done and this is kind of you know how my grizz football life's gonna go from here just watching and cheering on as a fan
0: so have you you know your first have you been to a game uh since uh your playing days have been over
1: yeah oh yeah my uh my family and I, we get season tickets and try to go to as many games down there as we can. My fiance is from uh, Missoula, so she has family down there. So we, we visit Missoula, you know, it's two hours from from the Flathead, which isn't bad. So, uh, yeah, I try to get to as many games a year as I can. And it's nice to uh, hopefully this coming fall be able to look at revolving our Saturdays around Grizz football games. Exactly. Exactly.
0: How hard was that first Grizz game that you had to go watch after, you know, your day, your playing days were over?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think you know I knew what what you're getting into, and you get to have you go enjoy the tailgates and stuff, which is great. But um, it, it was unfortunate that it had to be against North Dakota State and um, just go down the way it did with how great of a game that was. Um, yeah. I think that was difficult for. <laughs> for me to watch, but at the same time, I, it's one thing that I think most people get over pretty quick. Um, You know, you put a lot of, a lot of your time and effort for five years into it. And when it's done, um, you know, if you're somebody like myself who kind of understood that, hey, there's probably no aspirations of playing at the next level, that's probably a little bit easier for me to get over than somebody who says, hey, maybe there is a chance I can go um, get on a special teams unit with an NFL team. And so they put in that work over the spring after their season's over. Um, so I think for me, it was maybe a little bit easier, but that first game was tough, especially given how good of a football game it was.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any regrets in your career?
1: I don't, regrets are tough. Cause I, you know, you try to say no regrets with whatever you do, but um, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that I, I, going to the university was the best thing that I ever did. Um, I think, you know, there's plays every now and then that you think about that you wish you could have done different. I think my biggest one is the first drive in 2012 against the cats. Um, again, we've had a good team. We just went and put everything together and they're the number one team in the nation coming into Washington Grizzly. And, um, first drive, we go down and drive right down the field and Uh, we call a timeout and out of the timeout we run a play action and we're on I think about the 10 yard line and um, Carver runs an over out in the back of the end zone and I overthrow him and uh, I think that's just a play in my mind that I replay you know um, still to this day that hey if I make that throw we score and it puts us in a position to have a chance to win and beat the cats especially when we're not making the playoffs and they're number one in the nation so Uh, I think regrets are tough, but I think you always replay things in your head that happened and how you could have done them differently. Um, You know, I throw a pick six against um, uh, North Dakota over in their place, and the next play you come down and and make a throw and we end up winning on a field goal. So um, I think regrets are tough to look back in a career, but I think there's always plays that you're going to replay in your head, you know, no matter how long you're alive, the rest of your life you're going to. Kind of run over him.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, what is it like? You know, you mentioned the like uh, Grizz Cat rivalry. What is it like to play in a Grizz Cat game?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's just different. Like it's hard to explain until you're in it. Um, you don't try any harder. You don't prepare any harder. Um, but there's just a sense of urgency and a sense of desperation and what the game means that just doesn't go into every week. And it doesn't matter if, you know, they're the number one team in the nation. We're the number one team in the nation. We're both really good. It it doesn't matter. It's, you know, 60 minutes of football uh, against your rival that you don't like, they don't like you. And it, it just has a different atmosphere around the game than any other one.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, do you think that, you know, the, the players from um not montana from out of state do you think they when they make it to Missoula or even they make it make it to bozeman do you feel like they they really understand that rivalry um is there a lot put into what goes into i I'm sure you guys talk yeah. about the cap all the time um but yeah
1: what what are your thoughts on that? yeah, I think uh you know the out of state guys I think one of the things that They understand that it's a rivalry, just like any rivalry from the outside. But it maybe takes them a year to understand what it's about. That week leading up, you get, oh, okay, this is different. And once you understand this is different, then they form the same dislike that, you know, somebody like Montana for myself has had for the Cats for 18, 19 years. So um, it it maybe takes them a little bit longer, but at the same time, um, you know, you watch the cats on film every week because they played an opponent you had played already, you know, when you're just watching film. And um, so I think it does maybe take them just a little while to get the full experience, but it, it doesn't take long.
0: Yeah, definitely. So who did you like, you know, other than probably the cats, who did you like to play against in the um, the most in the big sky?
1: Yep. So Eastern always, we always had great games against them from every year I was there. One of the reasons uh, one of my cousins ran track for Eastern. He's older than I am, but um, they're big Eastern fans. My uncle's a season ticket holder at Eastern. So um, that was always kind of, you know, family's rivalry there a little bit. My dad who played for the Grizz and my uncle, his brother, you know, had a friendly rivalry there. So Eastern obviously was, was great. Like you said, the Cats don't, that's a whole different story. But um, Cal Poly is really a cool place. Uh, you know, one is California. So if we get a play in the cold weather in Montana, it's nice to go to the warm, you know, in November. But um, Cal Poly is cool. And one of my favorite spots was uh, UC Davis. They just have a really cool stadium that kind of sits down in a bowl. Um, it, they they have a really good football program down there. Um, I, I really enjoyed playing them. I think the, the setting and their stadium is a cool, a cool spot to go
0: yeah they've got a amazing uh workout uh complex too that they're building too here in the next couple of years that
1: yeah there the yeah. <laughs> that's a beautiful area and a great school academically you know I think they're gonna have a lot of success going forward just given the location and the academics and um yeah, the amenities they have are great too
0: yeah yeah they have a lot of a lot of good well and they're they're student population's pretty high as well, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I I, I enjoyed that. Cal Poly has a, had a cool stadium, so, um, you know, the Big Sky, you get all kinds of different <laughs> stadiums between <laughs> the grids And you look at a place like Northern Colorado, um, you know, that, that's maybe not quite up to – par of some other places so uh, i've heard that northern colorado
0: smells like it just smells like like crap
1: yeah yeah really is uh does not smell very good i i don't somebody knows what's going on but yeah um, yeah yeah, you don't we didn't spend any extra time there we didn't need basically
0: yeah definitely (laughs) so how hard is it to be you know for those of you, for those people that don't know how hard it is, how hard is it to be a student athlete, but also, you know, like you, you, you are an awesome, you were an awesome student. You, you know, I believe a couple times you were up, up 3.97 GPA of uh, really, really high, you know, how a student athlete's hard enough, but having a, a high GPA is probably even harder.
1: Yeah, uh, it is, you know, I grew up, both my parents were teachers, so I just grew up within the school system, and they stressed how important academics were, so, um, you know, I felt strongly about academics and the same level I felt about athletics. Now, there was, you had to, there's basically sports, school, and sleep, and you can't do an equal amount of all three. You know, you can do an equal amount of two of them, but you can't do an equal amount of all three. And so, uh, you know, there was a lot of late nights at the library, um, and, and a lot of short nights of sleep. Uh, but, but that's kind of the way it goes. And just part of my family was school is important, uh, and football's not going to be around forever. So it was important for me to make sure that I, uh, put time into my craft that was going to be my craft after these five years in Missoula. So, um, it it was something that is always just stress from when I was little, but again, it was a lot of late nights and not a lot of sleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a teacher as well. And that's what I do. So it's, it's, I I, I appreciate, you know, uh, how hard you worked and, and just amazing how, how you guys do what you do, you know, with working out watching film practice you know also you know taking care of your body is a huge thing being able to prepare meals and and all that stuff yeah. and, and also do your homework and study it's just amazing so i,
1: I think film study is not uh it's just something a casual football fan doesn't understand the amount of time that goes into it yeah. um, regardless of position you know quarterbacks probably the one that maybe requires the most film study out there, but you know it's not just the two hour practice it's four hours, five hours of film a day if you need it um, you know that that goes into it, and that's either four or five hours that you can't focus on the classroom or get sleep and so um that 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 is just I think an area that a casual fan doesn't understand how one how important film study is to just the game of football, but two how much time it takes to one learn to be good at it and two just make sure you're doing it the right way
0: yeah definitely so you know you had a a, in your career you've started you're you know the starting quarterback sometimes but you're also the the backup quarterback as well what is it like to be a backup quarterback
1: yeah it's uh, you know they always say it's the best job in, in sports and um, it is true maybe if you're in the NFL where they don't get hurt too often or and, and they're pretty highly compensated. But uh, sometimes in, in college it's tough just because when you have to prepare, like you're the starter, because if the starter goes out the first play of the game, um, you know, you you got a full football game ahead of you where they expect you to know exactly what's going on film-wise and play-wise and make sure that they can, uh, you know, run the same type of playbook they had anticipated running when the starter was in there. Um, the hardest part about being a backup is just the rhythm of it. You know, if if you know you're going to be a starter, you get the reps all week, you get to practice them, you kind of get to make your mistakes um, and correct them. Where if you're the backup, everything's visual. Um, you don't get a lot of reps in practice. You don't get to, um, you know, do a lot of stuff against the scout team. Um, everything's visual. And so the hardest part is just saying, okay, I got to, uh, get my mental mental reps in and make sure I'm ready to go and uh, understand that the rhythm is not expecting to play, but at any moment you got to be ready to go.
0: Yeah, definitely. That would be a hard, a hard thing to grasp just with not the the reps not there as well. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes, how, that's just, that's the toughest part.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, you, you know, you, you're an avid uh, watcher of the Grizz and, and last year, you know, the grizz finally back finally made it back into the playoffs made a little bit of a run um what do you think and this is kind of heart- heartbreaking because now that we've uh we're recording this you know last week we heard that there won't be a, a spring season we haven't had a fall season in 2020 and so we've got to sure. wait till 2021 fall season what do you think of next year's team or this year's next year t- team and what do you think sure. they can accomplish yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, this year is so unfortunate for so many reasons for so many people. But at the same time, I think you just have to understand that it's expensive to to run a football program and send them all over to stay in hotels and fly places. And if, if you can't put people in the stands, given the current pandemic situation, it's just not worth it monetarily for the university to, to go through that. Um, so I understand that it's unfortunate they can't play, but it's unfortunate for the kids who are seniors this year that, um, you know, hopefully they can continue to play, but if something happens, they didn't really get their proper send off. But, um, I think, you know, what, what we can expect next year is a really good football team. I think the biggest question marks, obviously, what's going to go on at the quarterback position, but, um, we, we lost, obviously, um, Sammy or excuse me uh toure left samari yep. He, yep. he's gone so that's going to be a big loss for them but at the same time i think you you look at the sulcer kid who you know he's coming off an injury that uh as a freshman there was a lot of expectations for him so you're gonna you're gonna get to see a lot of kids who get, get a you know fill some of that that playing time those left you can't really make up for that loss but you can try to fill the gap so I think if the quarterback position gets solidified, then then that's great. And one of the things I think the university just and Coach Houck's doing a great job is getting that O line back on yeah. track. Um, you know, when and even and who really knows what happened to to get it, but I just feel like um, we had some great offensive linemen, you know, throughout the last decade, but um, we just haven't been able to consistently run the ball like we should, um, you know, for the last five, six years, um, kind of my last few years there. I just think um, that's something we got to get back to to say, hey, we're going to get under center or we're going to line up and we're going to run the ball and we're going to get four yards of pop and we're going to run some time off the clock. And um, I think that's just one area that we got to get better on. And I think Coach Hauk knows that, Rosie knows that. Um, those kids are working hard and and we're getting better there. So uh, I I think that's an area where we just got to say, hey, we got to get better. Um, And and the kids are working hard and we're getting great recruits there. It's just one area that um, football starts in the trenches and and that's where you win games. Yeah,
0: definitely. And you can kind of see that now, too, if you look at the – just by looking at the rosters, if you go through the offensive line, you know, we were – the Grizz were – you know back in the heyday you know you, you would have a line of 300 plus you know yep you, you yep. would not see a guy under you know 300 um yeah. and then you know kind of fluctuated into um uh, coach Stitt where you wanted more of a, a more versatile quicker line and um it kind of depleted a little bit of the um just yep. the depth of it as well um, but now you look at some of the guys coming in, and, and some of the guys that we have, and they're 300. You know, some of them are 300 plus. Um, and yep, developing exactly. the, the depth of that as well. Um, that I know Coach Hauk has said that that's kind of a um, a really really vo- thing that they're really focusing on is is creating you know eight, 12, 12 depth uh, on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that's that's kind of been an issue just looking at the offensive line is you had, you know, a Coach Houck offense that was a downhill smash mouth, um, you know, run the ball. And then you went to kind of a flu grad offense where he wanted maybe um, that outside zone stretch game where he had a little quicker alignment up front to be able to seal off the edges. And then, um, you know, when, uh, when his situation happens, we go back to, uh, you know, maybe more of a downhill kind of trying to run game with, um Kefense there and then Coach Dick comes in and you go back to an O-line that you want quicker so there hasn't just been the consistency of this is the style of football we want to play these are the recruits in the offensive line we need to play the style of football and now is Coach Howe going to be there you know um is this his third year Yes.
0: This will be his third year
1: yes. Yep. Yeah so you're finally starting to see some of his recruit the the year off kind of threw everything off you know but yeah um, you're gonna see kind of kind of some of his recruits come in and the way they want to want to play the game downhill um you know maybe maybe get four or five yards of pop and control the clock but at the same time you know coach Rosenbaum, if i know him he's going to want to get up and go and and get the ball downfield and run plays but um i think it's just getting that consistency of this is kind of the main style of offense we want to play. And it just hasn't been there because we have gone through, you know, multiple coaches over the last decade.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, who do you think will be the QB for next year?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think Cam is obviously the leader in the clubhouse he's the guy with the most experience. Um, That said, I think coach Rosie and coach Kluge, or excuse me, and coach Halker are going to, play the best guy they see fit, and, and they're going to see through spring ball um, get some more reps. Obviously, they got a lot of reps this fall. So um, I think it, I think it's going to be tough to make a prediction right now. I think Cam's yeah. obviously the leader in the clubhouse just experience-wise. Um, he throws a great ball. I think, um, you know, it sounds like some of the, the guys they brought in maybe are a little more uh, fleet of foot. So that that's maybe something that um, you, I, I wouldn't be surprised really if you see two or three guys play the first few games in the fall um, until some guy solidifies himself as a starter. But I'd say it's kind of Cam's job to lose just going in um, to next year, given that he has the most experience, um, you know, playing for the Grizz.
0: Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting, you know, when we're recording this, we, we find out that the spring modification that they'll play two two games, uh, they'll pretty much be like a scrimmage, but they'll it'll, it'll act like a game. Um, they're not going to be diverse division one teams, which kind of leaves the speculation to be probably NAIA schools against like tech or Western or maybe even Carroll College, I would think some something geographically close yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do with the quarterbacks because there's a lot of quarterbacks they've gotten some from you know transfers uh i think kirk reigal is from uh southern florida and so it'll be interesting to see if they are like okay we're gonna just play you know cam and and one other guy or hey we're gonna you know you get a quarter you get a quarter you get a quarter or, or to see what they do
1: yeah i i think um You know, I I hope that they don't go with the quarter strategy. I hope they kind of say, um, hey, this guy's going to start and we're going to let him play a few series and and give him a shot to get in a rhythm because I think rhythm at the quarterback position is important. You know, so I think maybe um, if Cam's a guy, let him play the first few possessions. Um, You know, don't just say, hey, you're going to play a quarter or or whatever because, you know if the other team runs a ball then that's he maybe only gets one possession before the next guy comes in and didn't have a chance to get a rhythm so um yeah. I, I think it'd be great if they could say hey you know you're going to start until we think somebody else is going to provide us a better option um you know and not say you're going to get two you're going to get two um just because i think that that makes it tough for the guy who's a starter um knowing yeah, that true. hey i only got two possessions so Um, I I think they're going to give people a shot, but I, I know that they would like to have just the one guy that (laughs) gives them the best chance to win.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, being a former student athlete, uh, and just everything that has happened with the pandemic and, and everything like that, um, would you have played if we would have had a fall, would you have played and knowing that the fall didn't happen, would you have wanted to play in the spring?
1: I think it's hard to say what you would have done. I think anybody who's a college kid, given the situation, um, you want to play football. So I think if the opportunity was there that we could have played, I think, you know, I would have voted for playing. Um, I think, you know, probably 99.9% of student athletes would vote to continue playing their um activity now that said it's something you have to trust the health experts on that they decided it wasn't best for people to not play so um i think you accept that decision but at the same time i think you want to play um you know that's what you love doing and it's what you work your tail off for to be able to do so i think i would have said i would have played but i think you got to understand the health side of things will the decision happen to to not play
0: yeah exactly you know being a former player you know would you have you know if you were a senior this year you know the NCA has given kind of a blanketed you know this year kind of doesn't really count kind of like a, a season zero kind of sure. doesn't count against your or your eligibility if you were a senior this year knowing that you, and this is kind of the hard part, knowing you, you've probably graduated, would you come back? And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, since the NCA said that it didn't count, are they going to make these players go to school? Or can they, you know, not go to yeah. school and play? Or are they going to have to, you know, go to school? Would you have played if, you know, you, hey, I got a free year. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah
1: um i think i would say i probably would have played it's hard to look hindsight you know uh, it's hard to look back on and say what i would have done five years ago six years ago but yeah i think i probably would have played um kind of going to what you said it would have been an opportunity for me to say hey let's start a master's program um i ended up not doing that just with the route i took um so I, i think that would have just been what i had done said hey here's another year of school that I could use to play. Now, that said, I think one thing that's going to be interesting with NCAA is they might allow all these kids to play, but are they going to stick with the current scholarship limit at where it's at? So now you have all the recruits coming in, uh, and and maybe there's clarification on this already. I don't know how it is, but um, if you're still only allowed however many scholarships you're allowed, but you also have to recruit an incoming freshman class, there's going to have to be some people who – um, you know, are not able to continue on the scholarship. So um, I think that's a situation that's going to play out here over the next few few months, I would say. Um, yeah. You might know how that's going to work out, but I think that's something to be aware of is because you're going to have 30 new kids come in, but you can only have so many scholarships. Um, you know, those kids coming in are going to garner some of the scholarships.
0: Yeah. And, so far, I think there's like there's not. It, it I think it's kind of up in the air. I've kind of tried to ask people, and it's kind of up in the air. If they're trying to still look at like what the NCAA is going to do, but also, yeah, you know, the Grizz signed a you know a, a pretty healthy class of I believe nineteen yep. kids. Um, they really kind of focused on Montana guys, um, yep. and so. They want guys that want to be here. And so I think that they're going to try to, and and don't quote me on this, but they're going to try to be able to have their seniors come out, come back because they have a a really good senior group, but also have guys somehow either take a partial scholarship or somehow do a, some type of a, a, a different kind of a shirt, not a red shirt, but like a,
1: a, a gray shirt I think yeah,
0: something of that sort of of how that's going to work out. I have no clue. I don't think anyone really knows. They're kind of still waiting on the NCA, and you know, waiting on the NCA right is pretty complicated. Yeah, yes,
1: exactly. So I I just think that's an interesting dynamic of how that's going to play out. So when you ask me that about myself, I think that's something you'd always have to take into consideration. Is um, how your own situation would play out personally. So, um, I, I think I'd play if I could just, um, cause you didn't get to end it the way you wanted to. And, um, also if you could benefit from another year school to take advantage of a master's program, why not do that as well?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey Shay, that was my last question for you. I really appreciate you, you know, spending the time with us and, and coming on the, the podcast and and just kind of rehashing your career and, and answering some questions for us.
1: Yep, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can see the team come out this fall, and um, we're all back in the stands, and things are kind of looking back to normal. And like I said, we can. Have our Saturdays revolve around great football again.
0: That's going to do it for another episode of Fight on Montana. I would like to thank my guest, Shay smithwick Han for coming on the podcast and talking about his career at the University of Montana. I'd like to thank the listener for listening. Continue to support us. Also, if you haven't, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts at. We greatly appreciate that. And until the next time, fight on.